Hey, in today's episode, we get into addiction and addiction recovery with some guests in Coffee Talk Studio. I really think this episode could be life-changing for you. If you struggle with the area of addiction, you go to the show notes in this episode, and uh, there's going to be an email and some information for you to get help. We're here to help. We'd love to help you, and I think our guest could lend a huge hand in recovering from addiction. So check it out. Hey, how's it going? This is Billy. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Cheers, babe. Cheers to you, love. It's so wonderful to How see you. you. Can I kiss you? <laughs> oh, well. The truth um, is, is we're sitting so close, um, we can actually kiss this time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Because we have guests in the studios. We can't tell you who they are yet, but yeah. we will very soon. Um, it's Easter. Who cares? <laughs> in like three days, four days. I know. It's the week of Easter. Yeah. Which is... Are we doing um, an egg hunt? What's happening? The only What's significant the thing about Easter is as Christians... Um, Judeo, Judeo-Christian ethic tells us that we celebrate that with bunnies and eggs. So I'm but excited did, about that. But Other have you ever that, thought, how do bunnies and eggs go together? Like, that's just weird. Bunnies lay them. Why? Why? Why do we, any of it under, none of us ask why. Like, I've always thought, why do we celebrate Easter with eggs and bunny? Because that's what Jesus was. Bunnies lay, <laughs> the, bunnies don't lay anything. They have baby bunnies and then chickens lay eggs. Right? Right? I believe so. Okay. I believe that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this dissertation. No, it's like a thing, um, right? Yeah, I, I suppose so you're right. We're, we're confusing uh, our children. I mean, we're raising them and saying the bunnies are laying eggs. Like, we got to stop the lies. Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> well, we show the pictures, right? We... Christians down through the ages have told us this story. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, I am thrilled. We have coffee royalty in coffee talk studios today um the owners of the legendary five stones coffee shop here in seattle washington and actually i wish we were drinking that coffee right now but we're not okay before you we're drinking trash i'm sorry i'm so ashamed you brew starbucks okay and it's the most bitter cup of coffee i've had all week well starbucks sponsors us so that's why (laughs) (laughs) and your drinks Oh, come on, that's not a dream. Okay. I want Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, maybe we can get five stones yeah, coffee. All right. Hey, let's introduce them. These are our good friends. This is Jake and Sarah Archer. They're joining us on the podcast. Jake, Sarah, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Um, no, no cheesy accents, though. Sorry. Oh, oh no! I, first of all, I've cheers, heard. Babe. Oh, they cheers. Cheers, love. Oh, hey, hey, cheers, babe. I've heard, Jake, um, that you're pretty good at accents so i'm i'm, I'm kind of skilled myself i don't know if you've listened to the podcast you know every now and then i just drop into like uh whatever i feel like right this right here is probably like a, a british london type thing now you ever, ireland i feel like i'm in the city of, 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 of dublin sarah's literally cringy in dublin all right that wasn't terrible thank you jake I, you're actually a little bit better than you know what yeah We're all right not friendly. what's if you had an accent of choice that you like to do what do you do where do you go with that? Oh gosh, uh, maybe Russian. Or... Russian. He does a good Russian. Okay, okay let's, yeah. Let's, let's give it a go, Jake. Go ahead. Let's um, see. You go, then I'll go. <laughs> okay, I, I'll go, I then you go. Here we go. I'll go, then you go. I must break you. <laughs> Drago. Drago. I'm Drago. All right, now you Rocky. go. Oh gosh. Turn turn knob counterclockwise ninety degrees to the left. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> Oh, what's that from? I don't know. <laughs> you just made that up? Okay, wait, I gotta hear 
Okay, no, do another one. Do another one. Let's go. Um, let's go more of like um. Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do? Well, the only the only Spanish I know is like you know kitchen lingo, which is which is all swear words. Let's do it. Yeah, that's okay. We've cursed on this podcast before. I'm pretty sure we have. Okay, yeah, it was awesome. All right, you don't have to curse though, but do you want to do it or no? I mean, I'll do. Tell us one. about how coffee. Tell us about how coffee yeah. is ro- or roasted or harvested. In what accent? In your like El Salvadorian accent. Yeah, because the world wants to hear, man. I can't. All I can hear is Russian. <laughs> I'll start you off. Okay. Hey, man, how you oh, doing? Oh, no, 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 no. Italian. Hey, hey, a, a bit of coffee. <laughs> He's holding his hand like this. If you could just see. But technically, my accent is better than yours because you haven't gone. I yet, haven't gone, so yeah, I'm that's winning. True. That's yeah. fair. No, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you that. All right. So, you... That's all I got. It's Russian. <laughs> yes, <laughs> victorious. I win. I always kill the accent game. Um, hey, tell us about before we get going. Super thrilled to have you guys on Coffee Talk. This has been a long time coming. We've known you guys for. I don't know, probably going on 35 years. No. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps getting longer. Probably like, probably like genuinely like we've become friends over the last year or so, but we've known, yeah. we've been in the, we've been in the same kind of communities for the last three or four years, but, um, coffee talk. Um, I mean, five stones coffee is, it really is. If you're in Seattle, you've heard of five stones coffee. It's a great, very, um, very successful coffee shop. It's very loved in this area. How did it start? Quick version, like you're great business owners, you're open to multiple locations. We love your coffee shop. You guys are so the best. Good. Was that a dream? Whose idea was it? Just tell us a little bit about Five Stones. Yeah, yeah. super, super quick story. Uh, I was I was drinking a cappuccino at um, Espresso Vivace in Seattle. Ah. And I'd never, I drank white chocolate, all the sugary drinks, and I didn't. Like milkshakes? Totally, yeah. yeah whatever. Any, yeah, I didn't like coffee. Like Vic and, the sound chick. That's what she drinks. <laughs> and I. <laughs> Frappuccinos, um, but I didn't. I didn't really know anything about coffee, and I had I had a cappuccino, and I loved it. It was delicious. And so I went up to the barista, and I was like, "Hey, what is this?" Because I told him, "Make me whatever. I don't care." And he was like, "It's a cappuccino." I was like, "What? What is a cappuccino?" And he was like, "It's just espresso and milk." And I was like, "Yeah, but what's the sugar? There's sugar in it or something. What'd you put in it?" He's like, "Nothing. Nothing. It's just coffee and milk, wow. espresso and milk." And so I was like obsessed. And, and I do this with a lot of things in my life, but most of the time they fade after six months or something. Yeah, yeah. The coffee industry never did. It just Fly kept... fishing. Fly... <laughs> Are you a fly fisher? Of... No, you no, were. No. That was one of the ones that Bought all the gear. After six months. Yeah. <laughs> Tried that a couple times. That's funny. No, but, but uh, coffee never did, and I got you know super in, like, engaged in the community and met tons of different people in the, in the coffee community. And uh, God told me I'm going to start a coffee shop, and, and uh, I'm going to use the profits to like help fund... Um, you know, nonprofits and anti-human trafficking organizations and oh, stuff. I love and so that. I went home and told Sarah we were pretty early married at the time. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably six, seven years ago. We've been married about ten years. Yeah. So she was like, "No, we're not going to do that." <laughs> she, no, wait, wait, wait. So she yeah. just was like, "No, we're not going to do that." She Hashtag, said, "Didn't okay. even consider." I, I think girl I think, boss. I right. think exact words were. No, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> that's right. That's basically what Yeah, that's pretty much it. And it was like a year into our marriage, not three years. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. Now. Yeah, it was seven or eight years yeah. ago. Anyways, um, wow. and so we were at um, the city church's very first um, school Generosity school of generosity, yeah. I think is what they called it. Oh, yeah. And God kind of just downloaded it into her as well and gave her the name Five Stones. 
um, from from the Bible, obviously. Okay, uh, David yeah. and Goliath. Oh, oh, so, I actually yeah. did not know. Oh, that. really? No, stop. I am not kidding you. I didn't <laughs> you know realize what? It's, that. It's actually kind of a cool like part of the story that a lot of people don't yeah. don't know. And if you see it, there's five like. Um, well, it makes X sense now. Yeah, yeah. Their logo. yeah, our tally mark. Yeah, I think tally I knew mark. that there was probably some reference, <clears throat> but I'd never even. That is ridiculous, but I never connected it with oh, David's five funny. stones. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So Sarah, being the business major and and in she's the brilliant, world, by the way, yes, for the coffee talk world. No, she's, no. she's the reason why the coffee shop. She's a business. brilliant girl boss. It's ridiculous. Yes. But yeah. Okay. And she has a very full time job, right? Other than five stones. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she was like, "If we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way." And so she wrote an eighty page business plan, and I spent the next three years like hating my life at Costco, and was like, <laughs> "I was like, I just want to open uh, a coffee shop." Costco will still take a sponsor if yeah. you're off. No, I worked okay. there for ten years. It was one of the honestly one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And That's awesome. It, it was like a seasonal job, and I I ended up ten years there. So wow. it was a great job, but. Uh, and then from there, we got funded, and I quit my job, and there you are. The rest is history. The rest is history. We have two little baby in a coffee shop, and yeah, so our, our son days. was nine days old when we got the cof- when the key, when we got the keys to, to the, the coffee shop. Timing, right? Perfect. I couldn't timing. have yeah. couldn't, couldn't have timed time that better. <laughs> and right now, you currently have two locations in Redmond and Bellevue. Yep, yeah, two awesome. Bellevue cities. is reopening. One on, and a half locations <laughs> on April nineteenth. Well, Corn. It's located on uh, the whole Bellevue world Community College yeah. or yeah. Bellevue College. That's what I was going to say. You guys have weathered one of the most challenging years in the history of the world. And I was just dropping off some containers because we we use uh, coffee on Sundays um, if you go to church um, or you're welcome to join us at 116. But Sponsored we by Five Stones. Five Stones. And I was dropping off some containers and there was a line out the door. I was like, hey, somebody's doing it right. Oh, at the shop. Sunday. And it was <laughs> yeah. raining and I was like, come on, you guys. So it was Love busy it. that day. Yeah. So you guys are really doing an amazing job. Yeah, and I, I think weekends have always been really busy, but I think it's just because people are at home. You know, they're stuck. They want to get out on the weekends. And so our weekends are insane. Yeah. Um, real quick before we jump into what we want to talk about, which I'm super thrilled to talk about the topic we're talking about today. How did you, if you could, what was one of your philosophies? I mean, your business owners, um, I was going to say small, small is relative. You guys have a great business and it's very it's lucrative. It's still small. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. I guess compared Definitely to like Google, you know, but. Um, <laughs> we're, we're close. We're similar to Google. Yeah, yeah. Still You're right small. in the ballpark. Maybe 80% Google revenue. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, how did you weather? What was one of the things you did to weather what has been one of the craziest, most challenging years for small businesses in America, in the world, in fact? Yeah. What is what? Because you guys are still thriving. You're still in it. Um, was there anything you did? Was there a philosophical approach you took or what got you through that? Yeah, I mean, we adapted. We I I was delivering jugs of lattes out of the back of my car and in a cooler and like the 64 ounce one gallon jugs and I mean we did a lot of online ordering we switched to online ordering which we never thought we'd do wow um we did a lot of local deliveries and you know it helped a ton um but I don't have any other yeah I mean I think we we just uh you know whined for a second cried for a minute and then decided we had to roll up our sleeves and get through it and work hard and be innovative and our team really pulled together we have such an incredible team and um, one, you know, one of the business owners that we actually, um, are friends with and is a mentor said, you know, culture never grows like it grows through crisis. And so he's wow. like, I honestly, he's like, I try to manufacture crisis and you can't do it. So he's like, you have an opportunity to really build the culture of your team. And so we just took that seriously and decided to, you know, keep as many employees as we could. And aside from a few at Bellevue, we were able to keep everyone employed and wow. just came together and 
were innovative and worked hard. And, you know, we had a great support from the community too. I mean, people came out and they, you know, we set up funds for the baristas for extra tips and lots of fun stuff. But yeah, it's awesome. It's so Hold our great. sleeves up. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's one of the things too, is the like, I mean, specifically our manager, um, who, who runs the Redmond shop. She has done an incredible job through this whole thing of, of really keeping our team together. And like, it was amazing how, the baristas who let's say didn't need the money. They lived to mom and dad's house. They didn't need the money. They're like, Hey, I'll give up my shifts, give them to people who need them. Like we had that happen. Like that's awesome. crazy. Yeah. I mean, it that's was, incredible. it was insane. So, which I think is a great picture of how good comes out of bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, watching you guys and obviously being in it, all of us together going through 2020 and what is still 2021, just inspiring to see how mm-hmm. you ran your business. You didn't. You didn't shrink back in fear. We all had a moment for sure. Oh, you know, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, we all were like, wait maybe a second, a, maybe a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you just rose to the challenge. I love that you said you innovated, and you know, it's amazing what those innovations now probably will do for all of us, not just in business but in life. Yes, you know, we're never going back to normal because normal changed. But I think that's part of like the human condition is we change and new normals get established and new beginnings, and so. Cheers, man. Here's yeah. cheers to great coffee and Seriously. more coffee coming out. Impressive. <laughs> All right. So topic we want to talk about there. Babe, anything you want to add? I feel no, like No. Okay, just... yeah. It's nice to have you sitting right next to me. Oh, thank you. Jake, you have a um in the Christian world, we call it a testimony. Preachers are notorious for being like, you ain't had a testimony till you've been tested. You know? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Um Bro, you've lived a lot of life and you've overcome um, serious addiction, which is just your story alone for me personally as a friend has been super inspiring. I know it's inspired a lot of people in our community Mm -hmm. and your life. Um, And I think a lot of people listening to to Coffee Talk now will will be able to relate with your guys' kind of journey, which is addiction to opiates. I kind of want you to go down that thing. And here's the thing, and that's kind of our topic for today is addiction. And not just the addiction that you've come through, and I would be curious, I have so many questions, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. But addiction it doesn't just have to be opiates or, or heroin, or you know, it could be French fries. To be honest, it could be fast food. Yep. It could be for me growing up, it was pornography, you know, and that kind of stuff. For other people, it could be it could be alcohol. Could, there's so many things you could be addicted to. I, th- I suppose you could be addicted to you know, emotional things even too, or a relationship, mm-hmm. toxic stuff. You know, there's just so yeah. many things. And so I think what we're talking about today, whether you're like, I've never done drugs or I've never been an alcoholic or I've never looked at porn, which I'd be like, liar. <laughs> but, um, you, we, you know, we all can have addictive personalities in ways. So I think the topic, and every time you've talked about it, we've had lunch over it and I've heard you share, you know, with a group of men. And it's just something that I think everyone is, if we're going to be honest, we have these moments, um, with addictive behavior. I kind of, when I was young and I, and I look back on my addiction with pornography and stuff like that, it was, if I were to like try and, it was like standing on the edge of myself. That's how I felt. It's almost like you're watching your life unfold and you're standing on the edge of, of you. Meaning like the, it's like you're on the tip, you're on the tip of tipping point. And the equal, if the equilibrium shifts even a little bit, I fall off. Or I go over, you know what I'm saying? And so you're, so it's like in one way, mm-hmm. this addiction, whatever it is, it, there's, there's, it can be, it can be a rush. It can be adventurous. There can be some pleasure from it. There can be some, you know, these moments of euphoria, but it's just the slightest shift. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden 
your whole world comes crashing down. Yeah. And I, I remember, I, mean, I think I literally remember saying to Jen, like, I feel like I'm standing on the edge of me. Like, I just, it's like just one way or the other. And it's either, it's, it's euphoria, fake euphoria, but euphoria, euphoria that doesn't last. Maybe it's not fake, but it's, it's not, it's very, you know, fleeting. Or it's like, I just, I'm, I'm flirting with death. I just ruined my life and I'm ruining the life of people around me. Um, that's always kind of been my dance with addiction. Huh. Um, you made a comment at lunch a few months back. You said the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. That got me really good. I, so I remember good. thinking to myself like, oh my goodness. And can you explain that kind of, and I also, you know, kind of go into your story where you came from, but that thought right there, that, that's that been revolutionized the way I look at addiction. Hmm. It's not sobriety, it's connection. So why, why do you say that? Where did that come from? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, first of all, I say that because my counselor says it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, You're yeah. still in counseling. You're still, uh, yeah. 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 So I, I'm in a weekly men's group um, and I see him also every other week. Um, it used to be every week uh, for a long time. But um, so first of all, I'm very much addicted to French fries. Um, <laughs> I kind of like them a lot. Too. I know. Okay. Are we all <laughs> confessing? Me too. <laughs> and second of all, it's ironic how God had me uh, become a, a drug dealer. And selling caffeine, so yeah, that's right. You do sell. It's yeah. my drug of choice, by yeah, the way. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's my good only one. drug of choice. Nice. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, yeah, so I, I think you know I grew up in in, in private Christian schools and and had a, a very Christian uh, family uh, growing up and went to church every Sunday and um, and in ninth grade I asked my parents if I could go to public school. I didn't know, I didn't know anybody there. I, I mean that's not true. I knew like three or four people, not not very many, um, but I just didn't like the. Christian schools that I was in. And I don't know if I was like itching for the world. I, I don't know if that's what it was, but I just wasn't, I wasn't loving the school. And and obviously I'll try to keep this somewhat brief, but, um, so yeah, so 10th grade, they let me go to the public high school that, um, so I went to Liberty high school in Renton. Um, and just the people that I knew there, I had no idea that they were druggies. And I, I mean, I didn't even know, I honestly didn't know what drugs really were. I was fairly sheltered and, uh-huh. um, I, at least, you know, I've heard of them, but I didn't know really anything about them. Um, but kind of got in, involved in that, in that circle of friends. Um, and from there it was just, you know, smoking weed and, and party drugs and, and things like that. You know, there was eventually like ecstasy and chewing tobacco and, you know, the things that high schoolers do. Right. Um, <laughs> right. some high schoolers, <laughs> that's shocking, isn't it? but it's true. Yeah. 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 So, and then from, from there, um, I, so in 2005, I got a job at Costco in 2006, I had a surgery on my legs. Um, and, uh, so I'm jumping, sorry, I'm jumping like 10 years. I, yeah. I graduated in, in, uh, so at this point, not an addict. Yeah, just yeah. Sorry, not 10 years. What did I say? 10 years. You graduated in 04. In 04. I'm jumping like two or three years. So it was yeah. basically a lot of partying, a lot of typical like high school, college But not stuff. addictive stuff? Not addictive. Yeah, no, just, I just, I liked it. I didn't have yeah. to be high all the time, but I liked smoking weed. I yeah. liked, I was, I was allergic to alcohol. You preferred getting really... stupider. I get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> killing brain cells. Yeah. Weed is the one drug I don't get. <laughs> like, I'm, actually, I don't get it here, but weed is like, <laughs> hey man, you want to get stoned? <laughs> And we could get stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you smoke weed, hey, it's... More about it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Be dumb all you want. <laughs> I'm joking. Tell us how you really feel. I'm really joking. Happy. All right, go ahead. That's awesome. So yeah, but it wasn't anything like addictive. There was nothing that like got my attention um, like opiates did. And so in 2006, I had a surgery on my legs. Um, it was a corrective surgery. 
um, for extending some calf muscles. I'm half Japanese, so I have shorter, like tighter muscles. And so I have really bad flexibility and pain in my legs. And so I had a corrective surgery, um, that I don't really think helped, but the doctor prescribed me a ton of pills for it. It was both, both of my legs. So I was in two casts for nine weeks. Mm. Um, and it was a pretty bad recovery, but he got really good at video games though. So I was, I was a top, Pro. I was a top wars or call of duty player at the time. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Do they, how do they rank that? I have no idea. <laughs> Just in your own mind. <laughs> yeah. I was the best in the world. Gotcha. All right. Best in my world. Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Hey, we haven't even gotten to the point that Sarah is actually Italian. She's Sicilian, actually. correct? Yeah. yeah. Quarter Sicilian. Sicilian. Quarter Abruzzese. Yeah. What did you say? Abruzzese from Abruzzo. Hey, I totally understand that because I also am Italian. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey, Vic. All right. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, so, yeah. So, got the the pills that, that were given to me, I were not regulated. Like, I just had them next to my bed and I took wow. as many as I wanted to. And, wow. um, and my, you know, I was so good at hiding everything like there, you know, my parents had no idea that I was getting addicted to these. And did you know, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, I couldn't go five minutes without them. I, I, once I started to feel that high, like reduce, I would take more. Wow. And so the opiates was the thing that got me addicted. And from there, fast forward, you know, until 2017, when I uh, finally gave it up, um, it was, you know, um, going, you know, driving literally up to Everett to get Oxycontins and, and, you know, buying heroin. And, and so that, that's, Dear Lord, that's that a was, long, that's where it escalated. Yeah. To. That's a super like abridged version of it, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, you ever said like, and one thing led to another. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so right. true. Like, it's like, yeah. he was a little boy at eight. One thing led to another and he dropped a bomb on, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. So you just kind of like one thing leads to another yep. and you're, you're buying yeah, and heroin. I was, I was super high functioning in that I had my job at Costco the whole time. I worked 40 hours a week there, sometimes 50 hours a week. And I was able to hold my job, but only if I was high. If I wasn't, I would call in sick or, you know, whatever. And I had to figure out a way to get more, more pills or my drugs goodness. or anything. So. Wow. Um, and so uh, during this time you were, you were married. I was. Yeah. So and, and, and for a good majority of it, Sarah had no idea. <laughs> okay. So no idea. She knew I had a past with drugs. So you guys got married at what point? What, what year? 2015. 2015. No, 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 no. 2015 was the coffee <laughs> shop. Sorry. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Both of those dates. 2015. So those much. are the dates. One of them was in so 2011. 2011. So you married you, when you were married, you were already addicted. Essentially. Mm-hmm. You had you a were. short period of sobriety. Yeah, and and there's there were chunks where where I would be sober for a few months, but um, yeah, not not long. Sarah, how did you ever have suspicions? How did that like? Because I'm so curious as to you know, it's one thing to be an addict and to to fight those battles, and we're going to talk about that. And I'm, I have so many questions for you, Jake. But like for you being married to one, when did you kind of know? Did you ever have suspicions? How did that? How did that? How did that unfold? Yeah. Um, so when we first started dating, he kind of shared his past pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it. He was pretty open about it. And so that was refreshing. And it's one of those things that I, you know, I'd grown up the good Christian girl too. So it's kind of a red flag right away. Like, oh, okay. You know, you have a, a drug addiction past. So what do I do about that? So I, I sought some counselors and it had been, <laughs> according to his timeline, he'd been sober for about a year at the time. And, you know, I dated him for a year and we were engaged for a year. So it was three years in my mind that he was sober before we actually got married. Um, so I knew it was there, but like he mentioned, he was really high functioning and honestly really wow. good at hiding everything. And so honestly, I didn't know, like there were little signs here and there, um, but I, I didn't know. And it wasn't until 
actually a friend of ours had um, recommended a video series and it was a marriage video series. And they're like, this is really good. You should, you should watch it. And the first one was about like secrets, I think, or dark past or something like that. Oh yeah. yeah. And we're just sitting on the couch. And so I like paused it. I was like, you got any secrets, babe? <laughs> and sure enough, he just drops it. You didn't say that thinking like, Nothing, I think no. he does. No, you just randomly. I just it. was like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, we talked about it right. a lot. It wasn't like he was this mysterious person, at least yeah. I thought. And he just so Jake, said, what? Well, actually, you decided yes. to tell her why? Like, well, had you been? You must have been going through like some serious torment, like hiding this from the woman you love the most in the world. Yeah. So I, I think the, one of the biggest things I struggle with is timeline because I remember that conversation very well, but I don't remember if I was coming down off of like you had found the suboxone. That's what you had found, and you were taking. I don't. I don't know the truth. That's what he yeah. told me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So suboxone is a is a medicine that helps you get off of heroin and, and opiates. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't remember the timeline to be honest, but what made you want to tell her that you just, you were just overwhelmed by it or are you just like, this is it. I can't keep I going. Don't know. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great <clears throat> maybe you were high and you just came out with it, not knowing or, or I was not high and I knew I was going to be coming up on a, I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Now remembering the story, I think he remembered he kind of ran out of money yeah. and so he felt like he probably, needed to tell me because it was going to become clear pretty quick. Okay. So people well, are listening right now. Some people, I mean, I think pills and thing is very, very real. Mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting how you, how well you hit it and how high functioning you were and how you didn't know. Cause I think that's more normal. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say, totally. I, I think that is more normal and it's interesting how like you went so long without her knowing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's really more of what people are dealing with. And the fact that you, you confessed it the way you did is, is I think extraordinary. I mean, I think it would also, I mean, we're, we're faith, we believe in Jesus. And so I think that also was part of the plan all along, you know, right. But I think with addiction, the hardest part is admitting that you're addicted. Right. I mean, I, I remember with porn, like I don't have a problem. I don't, you know, and I'm supposed you've convinced yourself every, so Speaking to someone, and I wonder if you still consider yourself an addict. I'm trying to think of like 12 step programs mm-hmm. and stuff that yeah. you know, like once an addict, always an addict. I wonder what your philosophy is. Like. How do you know if someone's listening to this right now and maybe they have um, tendencies? How do you know you're an addict coming from someone who was an addict, or do you still consider yourself to be an addict? Yeah, that's that's, that's okay. great. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I, I do. I, I definitely feel like I'd be naive to say I, I'm not an addict or at least have addictive tendencies. Cause I, I very much do, you know, food is probably my second thing that, that kind of creeps in is, well, I'm mad at you about that. I, <laughs> Billy, can like really I said, I, hey. love, I love some French fries. <laughs> Shots fired. It's true though. It's true. Yeah. How did, how does someone know they're an addict? Like yeah, what I think, are signs that I think that the biggest piece of it is the secrecy. Okay. Is living in secrecy is, are you hiding? Does your spouse know that, that you look at inappropriate pictures on Instagram? Does, does she know that, he or she or whatever, yeah. like, do they know that you're doing these things? Because if, if not, then there could be a potential for, mm-hmm. for addiction. If you that. feel the need to hide it, right, it could be a problem, right? Because right. if it weren't a problem, why would you be hiding it? Right. Because obviously I'm not going to tell my wife that, hey, I'm going to go use some heroin real quick, right? Like, that's, that's the extreme. Right. But, you well, know. Well, it's inherently, even when we have little kids, they, they inherently know when something's wrong, yeah. even though yeah. they may be just learning wrong and right. What their instinct is to hide. Right. It's so it, we all know, like if, if something's wrong on the inside, right away we hide, and so that's such a great way to even say, how do you know if you're an addict? Well, you want to have a secret. You want to keep the secret. You'll do anything almost 
to the point of losing everything right. for this secret, right? Even financially, just to keep up with what it costs to even get the drug, you totally. know. And so that's that's a really okay, Sarah. For you, you, um, Mike just fell. Call <laughs> me, talk to you. Hey, Vic, the sound check. Do your job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Vic. We just blame it on Vic. <laughs> um, Sarah, for you. How did that change your world? Like, okay, the man you love the most, it almost like, I don't even know you. So tell us how, because there's people that can relate with this. Yeah. Um, how did you How did you handle that? You guys are still obviously very much in love. You're still very married. You're, you're, you're just the best. So how, how did you get through that? What did that do to you? Well, yeah, it turned my world upside down, honestly. And I don't think I knew how much, you know, right away. I think, you know, I'm... Um, a very black and white, disciplined, logical person. So I think probably right away I just snapped into, okay, okay, what's the problem? What do we need to do? Like, let's fix it, you know? And okay. just kind of in in that mode, um, also very curious because I just didn't understand. But within a matter of weeks and months, I mean, I realized how deep and dark it was. Um, and it was life-changing. I mean, it just, it, it there's no other way to say it. It just kind of turned my world upside down. Um, and I was looking at, this person and I didn't know who he was. I really didn't. I was like, what else do I not know about you? Who are you? Wow. Where does this leave us? I don't know. I mean, it was very, it was shaking for sure. I mean, how did you handle the suspicion of that? Because you know, if they lied to you about one thing, the lie, to you, they could, you know, what's it mean? Like, is where everything does, a lie? Where does the rabbit yeah. trail in? No, yeah. for sure. And that's the hardest part. Like Jake and I have talked a lot about that. Like the hardest part is not that, you know, you found something that gives you a high and you, you used it. I mean, that's not that strange, right? There are tons of people who want the adventure or the craze from drugs. It's the secrecy and the lying mm-hmm. and the fooling and, you know, him looking at me. I just, I told him like, I know I'm the biggest fool and I know you can, you can lie to me and I'm, I'm not perceptive and I'm not someone, some detective. Like, I know you can lie to me. You already have, and I know you can do it again. And I just feel like I'm not worth you telling me the truth, you know? And so that was really hard. Um, in fact, I was talking to someone the other day who's, uh, had walked through, um, unfaithfulness in their marriage. And it was funny how much, which we haven't walked through, but it's funny how much you can relate because it's not so much what happened. It's just that you've been lied to. There was a secret, the betrayal part of it. And then how do you even start recovering from that? How do you, how do you regrow trust? How am I ever going to trust you again? Because I'm sure as heck not going to be a fool again. Like, don't treat me like that again, you know? And so it was really, really difficult. I mean, it was, it was a low point. And, um, I mean, we just reached out for help, honestly. In fact, actually we didn't the first time. The first time we didn't, I thought, okay, we can do this. And we kept it quiet and we went through detox and we did a bunch of stuff. By yourselves? Pretty much with his wow. parents only. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was difficult. And you probably chose that because you were trying to protect Jake and not bring embarrassment. Yeah. Yep. But 100%. it's interesting to say the first time. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, and so let's talk about that because it, it sounds like it wasn't until more people, because you said connection, which to me connection um, for sobriety is connection, is um, community. You know, yep. the more people around us that know can come around and support us. So... Kind of tell us what happened next. Yeah, I guess in, along the lines of <clears throat> how did how did you finally break it? Because you've been you've been do we say clean? Do we say sober? I don't sure. know what do we say yeah. either. <laughs> yeah, you've been sober. righteous for how how long? How long has it been? Uh, a little over four years. So yeah. yeah so congratulations, by the way, yeah, man. That's a you. big deal. January. Awesome. Aww. Aww. Thank you. Kisses and coffee time. Yeah, yeah January eighteenth, twenty seventeen. Um. Yeah. When there? Yeah. What was, if you, if people are listening, there's addictions out there that we're unwilling to admit. So I think one of the things you said is like, first of all, to identify that you're an addict is if you're keeping a secret, man, then get honest with yourself. What would you say is one of, and maybe, maybe you know exactly what's one of the first steps that someone can take 
in fighting, breaking addiction? Like what's one of the first things to do? Or here's like, Hey, if you're an addict, do this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think you have to, you have to tell someone whether it be your best friend or, or you just have to tell somebody. Um, and, and you know, for, for me, that was, uh, Sarah, you know, and, and it was, it was telling her because I got caught. It wasn't like, I'm going to be brave and tell my wife that I'm addicted to opiates. Right, because there's a difference too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was really Confessing and getting caught are two different things. Totally. But yeah. both get the job done. Right. <laughs> yes, very much. Yeah. Well, eventually. Right. Um, yeah, because there was a, there was a lot of episodes of relapse and um, you know that. that when was you a, say a lot, five, three big ones. Yeah, okay, yeah. three yeah. big ones. Th- I think three. And how did you keep hmm. from not throwing in the towel? When you'd relapse because it's like I failed and it's over. How did you keep going back? Like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Both of you. Like, how did, I mean, how yeah. did you keep your mind in like, okay, I'm gonna break this. And Sarah, how did you keep your mind in it being like, I'm not going to give up on my husband because you didn't marry what you, a drug addict, so you're, mm-hmm. you know, so totally. I'm assuming you're seeing a drug addict like that's not my husband. I know who Jake is. So how did you, how did you keep coming back? Um, you want to answer that one? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know from his side how he kept at it. Um, lots of counseling, lots, lots. of trying again. Um, I'd like to think maybe because I stuck around, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, I think for me, a couple of things, one, um, for me, a marriage vow is, it's just really important. It's eternity, right? I mean, we stand yeah. up there and we spend 20,000 on a wedding and we say these vows, but most of us really mean, you know, not for better, or for worse, but until it gets difficult or until you're not the person I married. Wow. And it's like, gosh, if you're thinking about getting married or you're almost married or you're newly married, at one point in your life, you're going to figure out this is not the person I married. And part of that is because you don't it's, know them when you've yeah. dated them. And part yeah. of it is because people change. I mean, and and yeah. I think the truth is it is the person you're married. You're just discovering a different side of them, you know, and um, all of who Jake is is who I married. And just because I didn't know it all at the time doesn't mean that I my vows are any less important. So that's really, that's number one. Brilliant. What a great perspective, by the way. Rewind, write it down. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, two. that's one. And then another one, someone had told me actually um, – family member of ours had told us, uh, there's going to be a point in your marriage where you're going to say, you're going to see some side, let's say of your spouse. And the line they said is, this is who I really am. Are you going to leave? And for some reason that's just never left me. And it's like, you know, oh, well, who, who my husband was, was who I married at the altar, who I thought he was going to be, or maybe even who he will be eventually. But it's actually in that depth of the depravity and the darkness and the weakness and the ugliness. This is who I really am. Mm. Are you going to leave? And that just stuck with me. And I, I just thought, who am I if in my deepest, darkest, weakest, ugliest state, if I get there, do I want Jake to stick around? Do I want him to help me seek counseling, you know, do whatever needs to be done? And if, if I want that or if I need that or God hope that he does that, why can't I do that for him or at least try or at least give it my best effort? And I don't know. I just, I mean, exiting wasn't ever an option for me. It was just, how am I going to get through this? And I didn't know how. I was really not equipped for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I that's, I don't know, guess why I stayed. And and I did love him. I loved, I mean, I didn't know this part of him and I felt very disconnected and, and alone and broken, but I did love him and I, I couldn't, it's, to me it was, this isn't who you are, you know, but it's, it's learning that this is a part of his personality and who he is and we have to figure it out together, hopefully. So what would you do? It's brilliant. I was just thinking as you're talking, what are some of the things, you know, after you went through the three major relapse and, and discovering all the, the secrets, now coming on the other end in some ways, you know, you guys have come a long ways. What are some of the things that you do to support him 
um, on a daily and then maybe even a monthly basis. I was just practically because I'm thinking I, I've talked to people all the time and, and they're dealing with a spouse or even a, a brother or sister who's addicted. And the big question they always ask is, I don't know how to support. I don't mm-hmm. know what's too much or what's enough. And I would think as a wife, you could be, you go extremes. Mm-hmm. I think I would, I have yeah. where uh, now I'm always suspicious and now I'm always checking in. Then I become a mother, like, you right. know, a kind of behaviors you take on. And so what have you done to maybe figure that out? And then also what are some of the practical things that are healthy that you've done to support them? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things we figured out from the first two times it didn't work is how important counseling is. I mean, Jake will attest to that too. Um, it's important to get help and like true counseling, like get a licensed, mm-hmm. you know, Therapist, yeah. psychologist, psychiatrist. Yeah, it's not um, your buddy at the Waffle House late at night. Right. You know? Yeah, it's get someone who can help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was important. And that's when I first started seeing signs. So I think signs of recovery are moving forward in any way, shape, or form. So after that, I was like, okay, this is important. And then we really wanted him to be in a, um, like a group, an addiction group. So we found one. I found the counselor. I yeah, found the counselor. Like, right? I, yeah, I, I did the research and I was like, this is. So I think A, setting boundaries is important, you know, and it's not boundaries like, um, if you don't do this, I'm out, you know, cause that's the other thing. Once again, I'm, I'm in, like I'm all yeah. in, but it's boundaries that we need to be able to recover and move forward. So set a lot of boundaries, adjust those boundaries a lot of times. Cause I didn't really know what I was doing, but I realized pretty quickly on one of them was counseling. Like you need to be in weekly counseling until further notice, because I, there's so much work that has to be done and I can't do it. Um, and there was, like you said, Jen, there was a lot that I wanted to do. Like I was like, okay, we'll do this. We'll do that. Like I'm a doer and I'm a, you know, five-step plan maker or whatever. Um, and I think, probably very slowly and through counseling myself, I learned like I had to let him go. Like this was his journey, but I'm very much a part of it. But like he had hard work to do and he had to decide whether he wanted to recover, or where he wanted to be. And, and I wanted to remind him that I'm here for you. I love you. I want you. I want our marriage. But he had to do the hard work. And somehow mm-hmm. graciously, I learned that balance of support. Things like making sure we didn't have cash on hand and making sure we looked for pills in different houses we went to, like support, but also not like you said, mothering or taking over or, you know, forcing him because it's not going to be, it's just like forcing him to do a diet. If you don't want to actually get better, you're not going to lose weight because someone forced you or you might for a short period of time. That'll preach. But then I'll go back. (laughs) We've been there. Yeah, Yeah. Jake, that's, I mean, I'm so inspired by what what you're saying, both Mm -hmm. of you. Jake, for you, like, how did you keep going with relapses? Like what, what kept you in it? What's keeping you in it today? How did I keep going? How, why did I keep relapsing? Or no, how did you keep it? trying? Keep trying. Like, without giving up. You know, you fail. Like yeah. you said, we relapsed and, and a I, bunch of times. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that, that uh, by the grace of God, I've never been, um, you know, suicidal. I, I've dealt with some depression and stuff, and I know that stuff is so real, but but very fortunately, I haven't dealt with that. So there was always this part of me that knew that this is not who I am and I hate being addicted to something, but I also loved it. Right. Like I, I, I wouldn't have gone back to it if I didn't love it. Um, and so there was, there was never a, a part of me that was like, I'm just going to give up. I always had to keep fighting and like, yes, I was still addicted and yes, I would still choose to, to, you know, steal pills out of people's cupboards, mostly close friends and, and family members. Um, and, uh, so there were, there was always that part of me, but, but I, I think that at the, you know, at the core of my being, I knew that this is not who I am. And eventually I don't know if it was just me becoming more mature or what, but I was, you know, I, I, I had a child at the time and, and obviously I was married and, um, it was just something that was like, it was like a switch that flipped mm. and it was like, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't, I can't be this way anymore. 
And so I think at that point I just had to, uh, live completely honest. And, you know, I, I was, you know, had a huge session with my counselor and told him how I was lying to him and, and lying yeah. to my I wife. I was going to say that, that flip switched in counseling. So like probably mm-hmm. at the beginning of counseling, he wasn't being honest. I definitely was, wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how you have to go get help before the flip switches. Yeah. You can't just wait until all of a sudden you feel like you have yeah. this, you know, epiphany of now I want to be better. Like it, go get help now, even if mm-hmm. you still want the addictive mm-hmm. substance, even yeah. if you're still not ready or you don't even care, you can still get help in that because probably somewhere in the journey and who knows if it was a pastor or the counselor or something, I said, who knows, but, but it, there was a switch when Jake really mm-hmm. started to like own it himself. And is that where you say sobriety, <laughs> the opposite of addiction is connection. Is it that, is it because of that? Yeah, a hundred percent. I, and I think that like, you know, <laughs> I won't say that. Never mind. There's there's <laughs> something that my counselor says in our in our men's group, oh, and and mainly when the because the bikes are off. I can't wait to hear. Mainly, it. yeah, yeah. Mainly because yeah. he's 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 a, a certified sexual addiction therapist, and so he deals with a lot of sex addicts. Right. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, he he says that all the time, and and really, it's about like I don't care what your sobriety date is. I just don't. I don't care what that is. It's like how are you moving forward and connecting with yourself, God, and others? Like how how are you doing that? Yourself, because, God, and others. Because yourself, God, and others. Because if you do eventually there's no way you're going to choose the other thing, you know, man. And so that got me. So almost like he's saying like live for something bigger than yourself, like connecting with yourself, being honest with yourself with God and something bigger than you and others. And that's the opposite of addiction. I mean, honestly, so if you're listening right now and you're like, how do I break addiction? You just got the formula. Now there's a lot of work to put in. Okay. You mentioned your son, Saya. He's Mm. just the cutest. You guys have the cutest baby boy. He's not a baby anymore. How old is he now? Is he five and a half? Yeah. I mean, he's just, this kid is genius. Yeah. Um, I love him. Um, how will you, is there anything you'll be more intentional about raising him or that you'll, you'll do now as a parent coming through addiction, you know, being an addict, a recovering addict, a recovered addict. Um, is there things that you think about like, okay, to keep him from that, like are there things that you're intentionally doing that you maybe wouldn't have done? Maybe Sarah isn't for you, but like I never thought, but because of your, your struggle with addiction. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, for definitely. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I, I tell him all the time is, there's nothing too small that you can't talk to me about. Mm. Yeah. Like the, you tell, you talk to daddy about everything, you know, and, and there's, there's just so many things that we, we talk about at home. Um, and I think that's a, a hard part about recovery is just talking, just saying what's going on in your life. Um, and because, you know, addiction is done in, in secrecy. And so that's, I think another part of that connection piece, it's like when you're connected, truly mm-hmm. connected with others, yourself and God, like you can't be living in secrecy, you know, cause people know you. And, and when you allow God to really lighten up that part of your life, you know, the inner beings, it's, it's hard to choose yeah. otherwise. Um, so just um, what, talking. what did you, um, it's one thing to deal with addiction yourself, but like, okay, Sarah, even for you, like your husband, you guys are kind of in this together. I mean, you're totally yeah, in this together, yeah, but totally. like it's your husband, 10% but, of the time. Yeah. but I'm, I'm trying to imagine like, but for a child, like the fear of your child, you know, Jake, if you think of your son going through what you went through, Sarah, if you think of your son, like going through addiction, like what are some of the things you think, like, how would you handle that with your son? If you were to find out what it, cause you've been through it. Like, what are some of the things that you do that you would, what would you do? Cause there's probably people listening right now. Like, I think my child may have an issue. You know, they're teenagers or in their twenties. What would you do? 
Have you thought about that? Yeah, of course we have. It's scary. And yeah, because there's lots of things we can do preventatively to try to hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. help people maybe get control of things early. But if it actually, you know, came to it and he did battle something or he maybe revealed something that we didn't know. Um, I mean, I think, first of all, there has to be like a dropping of the like stigma a little bit. Like, of course, nobody wants to talk about their son or their spouse or something being ag- an addict. But I think we kind of we kind of rate sins, you know, like there's all these things, but like, like addiction is pretty up there. Right. Um, you know, and so I think there has to be a dropping of that. Not that we want to be like, no big deal. Do what you do what you want, but also like leave a safe space. Like, look, you're, you're probably going to deal with some addictive behaviors at some point. I want you to come talk to us about that so that when it happens, it's not like, you know, oh my gosh, we can't tell anyone. We have to hide it from our family. We have to, you know, but it's like, let's deal with it. Like, let's deal with it, you know? And we have some friends that have gone through that. And so, I mean, I think counseling right away, we'd get them in counseling and, you know, have some outside help, a third party help. And probably your kid, they may have a hard time talking to you, right? That might be part of it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So definitely outside help. um, And then, you know, gosh, lots of prayer and just going through it with them. I mean, just, just reminding them, I think kind of like I tried to do for Jake, like we're in it with you, like we're not going anywhere. And, you know, I always tell Saya, you know, why do I love you? And, and I'm the answer that he has to say is because I'm your son. And that's why I love you. You know, there's lots of reasons why we love our kids that are for other reasons, but ultimately I love you because you're my son, not your behavior, not your performance, not the days you're good or bad, or when you do something lovely for me or you play with me, it's just because you're my son and that doesn't change Mm. whether you're battling addiction. Um, So yeah, I think I'd probably just reach out and get the help. I would also like include a lot of people. I would tell my parents right away, my family, I wouldn't hide it so that we all can be part of that success story and that support and that community around them uh, to Mm -hmm. help them get through. Yeah. And I think one thing too, like is, is we, you can never, uh, overestimate the power of prayer. And, and, you know, one thing that my parents did constantly yeah. is, and I never saw it because they were, you know, on their knees in their bedroom day after day praying for me. And one thing, Damon Strom is a really good friend of ours and he, he actually okay. married us. And, uh, he said, you know, I, I've, I've seen thousands of kids over my life and he's a children's pastor. And, and he, he said the one thing that differentiates kids that make it in life and kids that don't necessarily make it as well is the parents prayed for their kids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's just something about prayer that is just so, you know, and, and it sounds spiritual, but it, but yes. it's so true. I believe you know? that. It's huge. I, I just, as I'm hearing you guys talk, you know, the moment you had for the very first time on the couch with your wife, Sarah, and you confess you were for the first time, maybe honest, which opened a door to complete vulnerability in the moment but as I'm hearing your your journey and story, it reminds me of even a little bit of uh, Billy and I's journey when there's honesty, vulnerability follows. And you know, the Bible says, you know, we're believers. It says, um, if you confess, you're healed. And, and I was like, if you're honest, there comes healing. Yeah. You know, there's, and I'm even thinking with our kids, you're talking about Sai, like if we can continue to have honest conversations mm-hmm. with our kids at every stage, it helps them become vulnerable, mm-hmm. realizing that, hey, like, we're mom and dad too. You know, like if yeah. I can be honest about, Hey, I, I messed up. Will you forgive me? I remember the first time I asked my oldest son to forgive me. He was probably barely five, you know, cause I think I lost my cool on him too much. And, and, and that was a vulnerable moment, Yeah, but he saw the vulnerability in me as a parent, which gave him permission. I think as a child to realize, 
oh, mommy's not perfect. Mm -hmm. So then I don't have to feel perfect. And I think that's where it begins, right? Like you were honest and then you were able to embrace him still. And then that vulnerability happened. Now, obviously there has been a journey of so many layers of counseling, all the things. But I just think like if we take a step back, it's like, gosh, that piece is what triggered this whole thing. And, Mm. um, and just speaking to our kids, like it's so incredible. We've got to learn to be honest as parents and vulnerable so that they learn that same behavior. They'll do it back. They'll live that out. Yeah. And I think in general too, like you mentioned the journey, you know, the first step obviously is tell someone like Jake said, Mm -hmm. but I think the more we told, the more we were open about our story first to our families and our closest friends. And then, and you know, just more and more people, I actually think that there's a positive relationship with how well Jake was doing and how well he came Mm -hmm. through stuff because I mean, he finally had a couple guys or accountability partners. It's tough because maybe you don't know someone else who's addicted to the same drug you are. But like you said, most people are addicted to something or have something they battle. And so Jake, you know, opened up and had a couple guy friends be like, hey, can I call you if I need to? Or can I tell you? Or, you know, we opened up to our small group. And and, and honestly, it was firstly shocking for them. Like, okay, this is, you know, a lot. But now all of them are just so open to that and more people have shared it. Like vulnerability, yeah, encourages more vulnerability and it allows us all to be like, we all have something we're fighting. Why do we hide it so much? Because it just destroys us if we we do. Mm -hmm. I love it. And that's it. And I think, you know, first of all, thank you both for being on here. It's been so good, but that's, that's it. It's connection. And I just think that's what I'm taking away from this. And, you know, addiction is a big thing and we're, you know, who ranks things, but I mean, it is one of those things that could ruin your life. And, um, I think you guys are inspiring. And I think if you're listening and you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking, how do I, how do I break free? Well, first of all, get honest. Second of all, tell somebody and start connecting with people. And, um, that's awesome. I love you guys. Thank you for sharing it. Thanks for being so vulnerable. Yeah. I love that you, it's huge. yeah, it's huge. I just think like, to me, it's like, it's, I don't know it should be more normal yeah. for us to, to talk about our, our addictions, our weakness, our sin, our everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's like in any area, it could, it could be even small things, you know, and I just think how, how beautiful this is. And hopefully those who are listening, it like, just start with the people who are closest. I remember Billy saying, or someone said to him, when, when you really want to get free, you'll tell the person who um, is the hardest person to tell. Wow. And it usually mm-hmm. is your spouse or your parent or your best friend, or like your children, or your children, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and that's when it begins. And she was the hardest person to tell. You know, it wouldn't have. You probably could have told, you know, Damon or someone else in your world. Her, first. her, or her, or her dad. Yeah, that's oh, the people. Yeah. Well, that's where it begins. One of the, one of the <laughs> <laughs> that would have been more dangerous to tell her dad. Yeah, that, that was that was a very scary day. Oh, yeah, oh wow. man. Well, you made it through, and here we are. And uh, love you guys. Thank you. And I mean, I do feel it's kind of ironic that you know. You are drug dealers of sorts in my life because you're coffee makers <laughs> and I am 100 percent addicted. How many cups a day do you have, babe? Uh, Let's just six be cups, easy. Yeah, this will be my seventh for today, and we're gonna have more tonight around the bonfire. Wow. So yeah, I mean, my drug dealers are right here in the studio, and I'm just super grateful for them. There are some drugs that are completely appropriate, you know. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Um, sex when you're married, and totally. coffee all day long. Totally. Marry your <laughs> sex all day long, you would say. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for listening to Coffee Talk, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for joining us today on Coffee Talk with Billy and Jen. Hey, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review, rate us, or follow us on social media at It's Billy Huffman. Here's to more coffee and honest conversations. Cheers. Cheers.